Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In this life, we must drink many bitter waters, many bitter days of sorrow, dread, and grief. A man who is not familiar with sorrow in this world does not exist. And a Christian who does not suffer under a cross is really no Christian. But the Lord Jesus gives us a hopeful message today, a message of true joy and consolation. He tells us that we should take heart in the great comfort that joy and renewal shall once more follow upon the heels of the crosses which we must bear. A little while, the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, he said this knowing that shortly he would be taken from them and crucified. He would be tossed back and forth between the priests and the governors, all things out of their control. When all said was done, he would be crucified, dead, and buried. And for this little while, his disciples would not see him. And in their sorrowful eyes, they would be filled with so many tears. They would be filled with fear and trembling. And they would watch as the world rejoiced as if they had done a most incredible service to God. For as the Jews had said, he made himself equal to God. And for that, he must die. I was telling Bible study this morning that in the past couple weeks, I've been listening again to the Chronicles of Narnia. And I finally got to the second book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And there was a scene in it that I couldn't help but think about as I wrote this sermon. It's when Lucy and Susan, the two daughters, are walking with Aslan to the stone table where they can sense that Aslan is greatly grieved that he would have to die, give his life for their brother's treachery. And as they're walking, Aslan begins to be sorrowful even more in greater weakness. And then he tells the two girls to wait in the brush in the thick of it and to never come out, no matter what happens, no matter what they see, do not come out. And their tears are already sobbing. And as they go forward, Aslan tells them to stop. And he goes forward to the stone table. And there at the stone table are the ghouls and the goblins. Those who serve the wicked white witch. And they bind him up. They shave his fur off as he is a lion in the story. And they mock him and beat him and kick him. And the girls are just watching sorrowful, so filled with dread over what is happening. And then as they bind him and place him on the stone table, the witch, with such an evil roar, drives the dagger through him and kills him. And at this moment, this moment of of just complete evil and wickedness in this story, all those who served the witch... Abrupt in laughter. They start rejoicing. It's like if your team won the Super Bowl. Or you just hit the lottery. They were so happy. 
So much laughter and joy filled them. And all while Lucy and Susan look on at this sight, speechless. The only thing they could think about was how sad this was. They were lamenting, sorrowful. So it was for the disciples. There was that little while when Christ was dead, buried away from their eyes. For those who had seen the crucifixion, how horrible it must have been. As Simeon had said to Jesus' mother Mary, a dagger would pierce her heart. And it was the death of her son. But it was only for a little while. Only for a little while. Back in the Chronicles of Narnia, it is moments later that the girls go for a short little walk. Then they hear this great noise. Stone table cracks. And they quickly rush back to see that Aslan is standing up, completely restored. And thinking they are seeing a ghost, he breathes on them and tells them that he is truly real. He has warm breath, a body of life. And so it was that you heard in the past weeks that Jesus appeared to the disciples, risen from the dead, only for a little while was he taken from them. But he was back. And no one would be able to take away that joy from them. And that was the same as it is in the Chronicles of Narnia. That Lucy and Susan are filled with such joy and excitement, they could not contain it. And they were just rejoicing. The world had thought it won. But it is not the case. For Christ is victorious. I tell you that because of what we have in this world. We have days and moments in our life that bring us temporary joy. I love seeing the sun break through the clouds of winter and on a cold day just offer a glimpse of warmth. I love when I see so many people rejoicing as their children grow up and they tell me stories of all of the incredible things that they have done or how they've overcome problems and trials in their life. And I love to see the enjoyment at celebrations and parties. Whatever we're celebrating, I still really enjoy that great excitement. But believers in Christ and non-believers can all celebrate many things. But the Christian lives a new life, a life conformed to the will of God, and there's where we depart from many joys that we share because the unbelieving world does not share them with us. We find it a joy to go to church on Sunday, to sing hymns, to learn new ones, to hear the word of God each week, even though we may have already heard that same text. We find it a joy to watch a new child be baptized in the font. And we find it maybe even just as joyful to see one who has never been baptized and who is now an adult, take part in such a same gift of God. We have joy when our children confess with us the faith, 
when they ask us to go to church on Sunday morning or when they ask that we pray for them, to lift them up in prayer. It brings me joy to see faith and hope in the Lord from each one of you as you have expressed it in some of your most agonizing moments in your tears of sorrow and said how you need the Lord. And how it was for our dear brother Martin this past week. For it was all that he could hope for in his final days to have the Lord's forgiveness. And he has it. You see, the world will not rejoice in that. The world will not rejoice as we celebrate the crucifixion of Christ and his resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. They rejoiced in the death of Christ. Even some in our world today said, if Christ returns, I hope we kill him again. But that's not us. We hope to long to be with Christ forever. But they rejoice in those sorts of things because their father is the devil. And they laugh and jeer at such foolishness that we would bear a cross in the name of Christ and gladly and willingly suffer all things rather than depart the faith. Jesus knew that for us a little while would feel like such a long time. But he was preparing us as he was preparing the disciples for a joy that was beyond measure, which no one will be able to take away from the believer. The small amount of time that we spend in this world lamenting and sorrowing is not worth comparing to the joy that lies beyond us in the world that is to come. In fact, this world's suffering is preparing us for the immeasurable glory of the world to come. Because everything that you have learned about the new creation is in comparison to what you know here. And yet it still completely remains unknown to us. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love them. But we know that it is an end to our sorrow. It is an end to our suffering. It is an end to wickedness and to sin and to the rule of the devil. It is an end to all of it. Because those are the things which we now must travel through. As Revelation chapter 7 says, these are the ones coming through the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For a little while, we must face the tempter and the temptations to fall into sin. We must war against the sinful flesh. For a little while we labor, but we do not always reap all that we labor for. For a little while we are accustomed to suffering and taste the bitterness of our tears. For a little while we become sick or weak, and eventually we die. For a little while we grieve in sadness what sin has done to this world, but that shall again only be for a little while. For as many days as God has afflicted us to live upon this earth in the veil of tears. For we know that these things shall pass away. And yet a little while that remains between Christ's resurrection and our own. As Jesus said, because I go to the Father. It was not that he would leave them. No, Jesus promised to be with them to the very end of the age. Jesus goes to the Father to prepare a place for us. 
He goes the way of death so that you and I would not be afraid to die. He has taken away that fear. We can suffer all things, even death, rather than fall away from the faith because Christ has gone first through death. He is the firstborn of the resurrection, the firstborn of many brothers, for we shall follow where he goes. He has prepared a place for us so that when our little while has come to an end, there would be ready a place that we have never imagined. And when we, again, go with him, we shall rejoice on that day and then that day forward. There shall never be a day that joy departs us. When that day comes, you will no longer remember the anguish, the suffering, the trials, the loss, the temptations. Death itself will be done away with. And the weight of the joy that you shall have will overcome all the things which you once lamented. We shall at that day put aside all the thoughts that caused us grief and woe, and they shall be so far away from us that we shall never see them. There will be no reason to dwell on them because of all the things that we shall see before us. For a little while, you and I have crosses to bear in this life. And we teach a faith that says, pick up your bitter cross and follow Christ. For on the heels of your suffering and sorrow, you shall taste the sweet reward of the resurrection. We have not yet seen that day of the resurrection, but you have heard of it. And you know that it is surely coming soon. For Jesus said, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take that joy from you. Jesus knows what you are going through. He knows what you are suffering. He knows your spiritual sorrow over sin. He sees your grief over death. He knows your pains and afflictions, even as you resist the temptations of the evil one. This is to say that Jesus has his eyes on you, and they are toward you every day and night. And he has given you his countenance, his favor, and he lifts you high upon the rock so that you are so that though you may be surrounded by your enemies, they may not overcome you. He fills your heart with the words which you have heard today, so that you may have peace and comfort and consolation. He shows you his victory over sin and death. No one can take this joy from you, because it comes from God. And no one has overcome God. This joy will, for as many days as you must suffer here on earth, exist alongside your sorrow. This hope of the resurrection shall exist alongside every death that you see, even your own. It will be the joy that shall come to you when you have fallen into temptation and sinned. It will be the joy that you will hear When your sins are forgiven. It is the joy of knowing that even if the world will not rejoice with you. When you have turned from wickedness. When you have come to the sanctuary of Christ. There is still yet more joy in heaven. With the angels and the archangels. And yes even when the world does not rejoice. When you obey the will of God. 
and ask for his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven, still you may know that God rejoices with you. For always and forever, precious in his sight is the death of his saints. He has gone through death, and for a little while we did not see him. And now, between his resurrection and ours, we do not see him, yet we know that it shall be only a little while. And when we do see him, we shall share in the joy that all those share, the whole company of heaven, the angels and archangels, all those who have died in the Lord, all those who loved the Lord's appearing, we shall share in their joy. And it will be immeasurable. It will cause us to forget all the sorrows of this life and to praise the almighty works of our God who has delivered us. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.